When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Today, it's Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, and me. We are discussing what we heard in Berea as we had some availability as the offseason program is underway. We talked to Kevin Stefanski, Amari Cooper, Jacoby Brissett, and Denzel Ward. Uh, So we react to kind of what they said. We each offer some takeaways from those press conferences here on the podcast. Uh, Time to be a Football Insider subscriber. If you're not already, cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page, a newsletter delivered to your inbox every single day, access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns, and you can become one of our text subscribers. We sent a good number of texts uh, during those press conferences, so uh, you you missed out on those if you're not one of our text subscribers. cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Get info. Get signed up. All right, here we go. Some takeaways from Wednesday in Berea on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Here we go on our Thursday Orange and Brown Talk podcast, reacting to what we heard today in Berea uh, from Kevin Stefanski, Amari Cooper, Jacoby Brissett, and Denzel Ward. I'm going to start because I thought of this kind of while I was driving home and and kind of waiting to do this podcast. So I had some flashbacks to the Odell Beckham saga today when I really kind of thought about things. So if you guys remember when the Odell Beckham thing happened, right, Kevin Stefanski came out and he talked to us and he kind of kept things very focused on the people that were there, right? He kind of explained what was going on, but ultimately he kind of pushed everything back to the people that were there and the upcoming game in Cincinnati and kind of let Andrew Barry handle everything with Odell. And eventually Andrew came down and talked to us. I kind of got vibes of that today, looking back on some stuff Kevin said and what we've heard from Andrew about Baker Mayfield. I feel like Kevin today was just very much like, these are the quarterbacks that are here. He talked about the three quarterbacks in the room He did acknowledge the Baker Mayfield situation was fluid and complicated, but he didn't really talk about it much. He just sort of focused on the guys that were there. And Andrew has been the one who's had to talk about Baker and what they're going to do with Baker and whether there's a chance that there could be a fourth quarterback on the roster named Baker when the season starts. I guess I just had flashbacks to sort of that. I don't know what you'd call it division of power, something like that where Kevin is here and now he's focused on the here and now. And that's something that I think he's been very good at throughout his time as head coach. And so I guess that's kind of my first takeaway here is Kevin's just going to focus on the guys that are here and he's going to let this Baker Mayfield situation play out until for whatever reason, Baker is in the building. Yeah. I mean, he's all business. uh, Kevin is, and he had his two buzzwords and no matter what anybody asked him about Baker today, he was ready with the buzzwords and those were, unique and fluid and he said that two <laughs> that's what it was unique. I, I said complicated he said unique that was what it was yeah unique and fluid it is unique I mean it's incredibly unique that Baker Mayfield is still on this Cleveland Browns roster after asking to be traded and after everything that transpired 
And as we know, there's a chance he could possibly end up with the Carolina Panthers at some point, um, maybe draft weekend. But you're right. I think that uh, Kevin Stefanski is staying in his lane with this, and he usually does a pretty good job of that. I think it's the right strategy. I mean, what can he say? What can he say right now about Baker Mayfield that is going to do anybody any good? Now, of course, we wish he would say more uh, because it's good for us. It's good for business. It's good for podcast fodder. But that's just not Kevin Stefanski. I mean, you're just never going to get that stuff out of him. And there's just at this point, um, there's there's nothing very nice to say about the Baker Mayfield situation. And um, and Baker Mayfield, I think um, some of the strain, a large part of the strain between Baker and the Browns had something to do with his relationship with Baker Mayfield, with Kevin Stefanski or his perception of his relationship with Kevin Stefanski. So I don't think there's any real love lost there right now. And I think everybody's ready to move on. Yeah, I'm thinking back to when we did our podcast reacting to the Baker Mayfield podcast, and I made that comment about how sometimes there's power in silence and that I think Baker needs to understand that more. I think Kevin Stefanski always understands that, right? Like, it's never like he goes radio silent. He can't because he's the head coach. But a lot of times he just, he you, like we've talked about multiple times on this podcast with him and Andrew, they will talk to us you'll go back, you'll transcribe it, you'll read it over later, and you'll be like, huh, like, there's not really much there. There are words here, but it's not really saying as much as we thought it was in real time. So I wasn't really surprised by that. And I do think it's like basically the exact opposite communication style, like I said, that we saw from Baker Mayfield on that podcast last week. So that's the difference that kind of struck me as we're sitting here talking about it now. Yeah, and I'm, I'm also thinking, you know, to past brown's personalities you know yeah freddie kitchens comes the fred the freddie kitchens bob wiley thing always comes to mind for me when we were in training camp and mary Kay, you remember this you know bob wiley said some things and then freddie kitchens was asked about those things and he kind of handled it right he sort of downplayed it said the right thing but then after the next question he kind of was like no 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 wait let's go back to Bob Wiley. And he just went off and it became the story of the day, just Freddie kitchens going off on Bob Wiley. And like that, that also, I recall talking to Joel Batonio last training camp. And he said, there were times, there have been times in his career where you'd come off the field of practice and look at your phone and be like, Oh my God, what's happening upstairs now. And that felt like one of those moments, you know, hearing Joel say that. And you just, you don't get that with these guys. You don't No, Nobody's going home today from the off-season program and looking at their phone and saying, oh my God, I can't believe Kevin said that about Baker. Yeah, well, you know, in the same way that somebody in the organization told Chris Mortensen that the Browns (laughs) needed an adult in the room at quarterback, well, they also needed an adult in the room uh, for the head coach after Freddie Kitchens, right? I mean, Freddie Kitchens was not always the adult in the room, and we do know that now. That's a part of the reason why he's gone. Pittsburgh started it, the Bob Wiley thing, other things having to do with um, Baker Mayfield. Um, but you're right. I mean, these guys, um, I mean, and Kevin Stefanski was a, a communications major, I believe it was. And, um, and he, he knows the fine art of not saying anything. He knows how to do that. He's really, really good at it. Uh, so if he does say something 
uh, you can be sure it's pretty calculated and that he plans on getting something out of it. But for the most part, I think he just plays it, you know, really low key and uh, tries to stay out of too much controversy when it comes to his pressers. All right. Uh, Mary Kay, what did you take away from today? Well, one of the things that I that I really focused on, wrote about and took away from today uh, is the fact that uh, Deshaun Watson is really integrating himself into the football team. He's making friends and they are well receiving him. And he really is being embraced by his teammates. And even someone like Denzel Ward, hometown guy, grew up here. You think you would might think, well, you know, maybe he might uh, think twice about having uh, someone with so many issues come onto the football team. No, he's all about, you know, I trust Andrew Barry. I trust the Haslam's. Um, so it, it really seems like Deshaun is doing a, a phenomenal job of trying to endear himself to his teammates and that they are accepting him with open arms for right now. And it's, it's a lot to ask. It's a lot to ask of his teammates to come along with him on this journey right now when they don't really know exactly what's going on. Uh, but they, they're all in with him and they're excited about him. And when we talked to Amari Cooper about him, Amari Cooper uh, was almost giddy in his delight for when he was in Dubai and found out that Deshaun Watson had been traded to the Cleveland Browns. So I think as of right now, these guys are genuine in their excitement that they have Deshaun Watson as their quarterback. Yeah, I got that vibe too. I, I mean, you could, you could just tell from, from a little like energy there was in, in these things, uh, you know, the, you could tell when Deshaun came up, they, they knew the possibilities. Uh, they kind of knew that like, Hey, we can go win a championship guy, a championship. If this guy is starting for us and, and playing for us. Um, I, I think that was pretty clear. And, you know, Amari, Amari Cooper, Mary Kay, you and I talked about this on the video. He goes from getting traded from Dallas to Cleveland gets a new quarterback. It's been like this whirlwind for him. And I also think like, this is kind of a, a reminder that really what's going to matter to that locker room is what Deshaun does on the field. Like, I mean, that that's ultimately what it's going to come down to. He's going to be viewed as another member of the team, a coworker and whatever else develops, you know, whatever other relationships develop. I mean, that that's, what's going to matter to most of these guys, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I keep like thinking back to to Jacoby Brissett's interview from today. I don't know why that one right now is the one that's really sticking in my brain. Some of the things he said about Deshaun Watson, and you know, he kind he kind of declined to comment on whether Deshaun had addressed his off the field legal issues with Jacoby personally, with the quarterbacks room, with the guys who are there for these this off season program so far as a whole. So we don't really know that, but you know. Jacoby sent me the comment like we're, it's not like we're best friends yet but the relationship is going like kind of how it should be like these guys essentially just met each other um, and he was very honest about that you know they're not going to be best friends immediately all of them but it does seem like Deshaun Watson has made inroads with these guys and they're just felt like a different level of kind of like muted excitement maybe I would call it we only talked to three guys so it's a small sample size but that's that's how I would describe the vibes I guess. Yeah. And you know what? I'll tell you, um, the other thing that stood out to me about that was the fact that it seems to me, and we haven't talked to Miles yet, but it seems to me like Miles is 100% on board with Deshaun Watson. Now, we kind of have 
an inkling that perhaps maybe he might have been one of the players that was not overly thrilled with everything having to do with Baker Mayfield. Um, but I, someone had told me that Miles reached out to Deshaun early on in the process of, of this trade at some point and welcomed him to the team. I think that's very significant. And Denzel Ward told us today, uh, and he, you know, he kind of put them together that, that Deshaun and Miles are planning trips, camaraderie, team building trips for the team. Now we know, we know that in the exit interviews, a big point of emphasis was there's a disconnect between the offense and the defense. And I think that had something to do with the fact that there was a disconnect between Baker and miles. Um, so now I think the leader of your offense and the leader of your defense seem to be pulling in the same direction and working together. And I think that could go a long way towards some of that team building and getting this team uh, on the right track from a chemistry standpoint. And I, you know, it's, I think a big piece of it too, was and some, a lot of this goes back to Baker. It's like, as we were going down the stretch of that season, game after game after game, it was, come on guys, what, what do we need to do here? You know, against Baltimore, you force four turnovers against green Bay. You hold them to what was it? Three points in the second half. Uh, you know, there were, there were enough games, you know, against Detroit, the defense played great, obviously against like a eighth string quarterback, but they played great and it was a grind to win that game. So I, I think that's part of where it came from too. It's like every single week we're doing enough on defense to win these games. You yeah. guys got to help us out. I mean, miles had to make the play to beat Baltimore the second time. Like if he doesn't make that play, maybe the Browns lose that game. So I, I think that was a big reason too. And I think having Deshaun on the field and having an offense that's going to turn four turnovers into, I don't know, two, maybe three touchdowns, that's going to bring these guys a lot closer too. And it was interesting. I mean, too, after each of those games, Miles did come out and talk to us when the defense played so hard. And I think it was after that Green Bay game on Christmas, he got asked a question about Baker and it was like, one of the longest pauses I think that we've heard from him in terms of thinking like, how am I going to answer this question almost? And I don't even remember what the question was. I don't even remember what he said. It, it ended up being not uh, nothing super uh, interesting, I guess, in that regard, but you did kind of see it week after week, almost where on these guys and the little comments started popping up. And I guess, I think when you're talking about the mood shifting or whatever, that's going to be a big part of it. Yeah. And I think even uh, the fact that, that Baker did not play in that last game. Uh, we had heard rumblings and I have not been able to get this confirmed yet from anybody, but I had heard, and some of us had heard little rumblings that some guys were not overly thrilled about the fact that he did not play in that last game and that it was obvious that he was consulting, you know, with his agent and with his people. And it was their decision uh, instead of sort of a team decision of shutting him down. Uh, I think that had a little bit of a, a lingering impact uh on on some of the guys especially in the aftermath of everything with odell so um and you know it, you just have to wonder when somebody like robbie anderson from the panthers uh immediately says no when when he finds out that baker mayfield could be coming there it just seems to me like there could be a little bit more to that than meets the eye you know maybe he talks to you know, other receivers, maybe there's something that he knows, maybe he's talked to Odell or something. I, I don't know. 
but um but it just seems like there was enough there that this team is ready for a fresh start at that position i do think it's going to help to and, and this doesn't really have anything to do with baker or miles or anything like that but it's going to help that like that building is going to be normal again this year everybody's going to be in one locker room everybody they aren't all going to be spread out and and i think that makes a difference too when it comes to camaraderie and everybody sort of being on the same page like they're all going to be in that room again together you're not going to have half the team in this room and plexiglass dividing everybody and half the team in the old weight room and you're only going to be allowed so many people lifting at the same time and in the hot tubs and in the pools and like a lot of that stuff might sound kind of silly but it's like it's again, it's kind of just sitting or if you think about it, like what it is a workplace, it's kind of just sitting around and BSing with your coworkers while you're working, right? <laughs> like that, mm-hmm. that builds some of these relationships too. So I, I think that's going to be a big step as well on top of kind of everything else they might do this off season. Yeah, I think so. I agree with you on that, uh, Dan, because I mean, you know, as well as I do the culture of the locker room, I mean, you know who the alpha dogs are. You know who is supposed to speak for everybody. You know who the guys are that are perceived as knuckleheads. I mean, you, you just know so much, uh, you know, when you have the, the, the whole entire culture of the locker room that goes on. And, you know, we haven't been in there in a couple of years. They haven't been in there together in a couple of years. And I do think, I do think it matters. I do think it matters especially when, um, you know, when you have guys that are willing to reach across the aisle and get to know guys on the other side of the ball. And that's when you see a team become really close when the defensive guys are pulling for the offensive guys and vice versa. You know, who's really good at that? Odell. Yeah. He was great at that. I mean, how buying shoes for everybody. How many times did you see him walk from that receiver area over on the one side of the locker room, come all the way across to the DB area or like, yep. Sheldon was good at it too. Yeah. You, this yep. is stuff that you notice in those little snippets when we're in there. Yeah. Yeah. And you know who else is good at it? Kareem hunt is good at that too. Yeah. He's, he's a unifier when it comes to those kinds of things. So, um, so yeah, it will be good for those guys to get that back. And it will be good for Kevin Stefanski to finally have his football team together and intact at the offseason program. It was going to be important to him. They're, most of them are here. And I, I actually think it matters. Yeah, I do. I do too. Um, I think we talked about it the other day. Like, I, I think it matters that these guys are showing up like they haven't accomplished anything. I, I think mm-hmm. that means something. Okay, Ashley, what did you take away from today? Well, kind of along those lines, with this being really the first new first offseason first normal offseason for Kevin Stefanski and having a new quarterback room and having Deshaun Watson the thing we heard over and over again was about this collaboration that needs to take place in terms of changes in how the offense is going to look now obviously we got no specifics in terms of changes how the offense might look and we can kind of infer based on Deshaun Watson's skill set right and obviously especially given his arm his ability to keep plays alive with his feet Um, and I think Scott's not on the pod but I think he texted something to our tech subscribers that like in the past Kevin Stefanski has kind of had this opportunity to like maybe tailor an offense to what Odell Beckham Jr. does really well to what Jarvis Landry does really well And they didn't necessarily do that, obviously, 
Um, so this is really, I think, a real chance to kind of see, and I agree with Mary Kay, how we brought up multiple times on this podcast before about these are smart guys, I think, who are willing to adapt. So I'm curious to just see what that looks like, because that was still the message a lot from today. Yeah, it's sort of like, you know, I remember last year we talked a lot about like, okay, Joe Woods, the defense has been beefed up. This is, it's your turn now. Now you got to show us what, what you've got, right? And it took a little while, but once they kind of got about halfway through the season, it's like, okay, this defense is really good. You, you did it, Joe. Nice job. Well, now it's sort of, now it's the, the pendulum swing swings back to Kevin. You've got your quarterback. You've got a new receiver and Amari Cooper. You'll probably get another new receiver or two here in the next week or two. Um, now, now it's your turn, Kevin. Like, all right, show us that all that 13 personnel, bland, what are you doing offense stuff was just because of the quarterback. Like now, now show us what you've got. This, this is your chance to kind of unleash everything. You've never had a quarterback like this. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys in that. Um, that was a big piece. The, the notion of collaboration and really focusing on what Deshaun Watson does well and making sure that he's getting to do that and he's getting to look good doing that. That is going to be so key for him. And it's one of the things, ironically, uh, that Baker Mayfield complained about. He felt that he did not have an opportunity to have his talents showcased and that they were not playing to his strengths. But Deshaun Watson has a lot more strengths than Baker Mayfield does, especially last year when he was hamstrung by the the harness and he he wasn't himself. Uh, Deshaun Watson has very few limitations. And I like the fact that Kevin Stefanski said he wants to grow as a quarterback. He wants to get better. He wants to try new and different things. So these guys are going to lay a bunch of concepts on him and he's open to that. I mean, Kevin Stefanski has a, a way of doing things and he doesn't plan on just throwing that all out the window. Um, so Deshaun is open to incorporating all of that stuff by the same token Deshaun has things, I'm sure, going all the way back to Clemson that he feels really, really good about doing. And um, you know what? I mean, if they're smart, they'll they'll talk to Dabo Sweeney about those things too, right? I mean, they'll go back and and pick Dabo's brains a little bit on, on Deshaun Watson. And Deshaun Watson should bring things to the table himself. And so I do think it's going to be going to be way more collaborative. And I think it's going to look a lot different than what we've seen before. I don't think you're going to see the heavy offense as I've been calling it as much as you did in the past. Uh, I think it'll be lighter, faster, more explosive when it can be when it's, when the weather permits, and that's also going to be a factor. Uh, But I think they are going to rely very, very heavily on what Deshaun can do well and what he wants to do. I think too, like last week, it's almost like for me, when it comes to the collaboration, Like last week when we talked about like Baker versus Miles and guys speaking up and certain things they say, how like that almost has to be earned. And it's like when it comes to on the field production, when you're talking about Deshaun Watson, he's like a top five guy at his position. Um, You're paying him all this money. It's like he's almost earned that respect at this point in his career and that ability to be able to collaborate with the coach and in a new system and everything. Mm-hmm. I also think that again, this sort of goes back to a disconnect, right? I we've just talked about this. I think Baker has views himself differently than what he is, right? He wants to be Brett Favre. He wants to be, you know, he's got this profile of himself, and 
unfortunately, the Browns certainly didn't see it. It seems the rest of the league doesn't see it. And I think there were indications of this on that podcast. Like Baker believes he should be out there running this air raid four wide spread offense. And like, you know, unfortunately when he was doing that at Oklahoma, he never got touched. The throwing lanes were wide open and the receivers were wide open. But when we've seen that in the NFL, the ball goes to the other team. Like every, every single time, you know, that's what they were trying to do in 2019. He threw a million interceptions in 2018. He threw a bunch of interceptions when he was playing really well down the stretch. He had like two or three games where he had, he threw three interceptions. So, you know, in green Bay, they opened up the offense in green Bay and he threw the ball to the Packers over and over again. So I, I think that's part of the disconnect too, is like Baker might want more input, but Baker might not know what's best for him. You know, whereas Deshaun, I think Deshaun could run any offense you kind of threw at him. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was one of the reasons why, you know, Kevin Stefanski was criticized on a lot of fronts last year, but he was probably his hands were very tied by what he was able to do with Baker Mayfield. He had to get conservative in certain situations because he didn't want the ball going to the other team. So he didn't let him open up and do all the things that Baker thought he could do so well. Uh, but I think he will be very aggressive with, with Deshaun Watson. And he might even be a little bit more tolerant of a pick here and there because he'll know that he can overcome it. He knows he can get those points back, right? I mean, because he can, he can go three, throw three more touchdown passes in the second half if that happens. So, um, so yeah, I think that had a lot to do with it. And I think they're going to trust uh, Deshaun a lot more that the interesting thing will be to see, you know, how did they utilize a dual threat quarterback with the designed runs and all the different things uh, that they can do. And I mean, I think they have, or should have all of that in their arsenal and their repertoire, and they shouldn't need uh, any different kind of a offensive mind or voice to kind of show them the way on that. I mean, I think they should be able to, to figure out how to work with a quarterback like that. If they can't, then, then they do need to be open to bringing in someone or consulting with someone uh, who can help maximize those skills. Yeah. And then the thing, I mean, like Deshaun just doesn't throw interceptions. I mean, that's, that's the other thing. That's where that trust is going to come from. Um, Last time he played 444 attempts and seven interceptions, uh, 505 attempts in 2018 and nine interceptions. Um, you know, he threw a, he threw a good number as rookie year, uh, but that was just sort of, they were making it up on the fly there. They didn't even expect him to necessarily start that season right away. And then he comes in and just lights the world on fire. So he tends to not turn the football over a lot in 2019. He had 12 on 495 attempts. That's been his worst year outside of that rookie year. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's that trust factor. They're going to trust that, like you were saying, Mary Kay, he's just not going to, he's just not going to turn the ball over. I mean, right. every quarterback does throw interceptions eventually, but he's going to be protective of the football if they let him throw it 35 or 40 times in a game. I have one more takeaway. One more. Okay. I just thought of, it's semi-serious. Uh-oh. <laughs> 
The movie Draft Day had some staying power beyond people with Cleveland ties because Amari Cooper in his press conference today said the only real knowledge he had about the Cleveland Browns organization since he had never played here before was from the movie Draft Day. He did have to be reminded of the movie's name, however, (laughs) but I do think this is a significant development for those of us in Cleveland who thought this movie would have no staying power beyond us. Yeah, good for him. That was funny. It gave me uh, my headline. It gave me my story to write. It made for a very, very easy Amari Cooper story today. So I thank you, Amari, for that. I definitely appreciate that. But uh, yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. It was a cool little uh, fun little storyline. And I I thought he was good today. I was. we, We should probably spend a few minutes on Amari Cooper. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you what, this is actually good for the Browns because Amari Cooper is coming here after having played for the Raiders, which that's always a circus, right? The Cowboys dealing with whatever, you know, I mean, Jerry Jones talks to the media once a week. And now he comes to Cleveland where he thought it looked like draft day and it couldn't like, it doesn't look like draft day. It's like, Oh, this place actually runs pretty well. And the GM isn't a bonehead. So (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this has to, this bodes well for the Browns. Like, he's probably coming in. He was probably scared to death to walk through those doors. He's thinking desks are going to get set on fire and the head coach is going to be Dennis Leary. But no, it's a well oiled machine in Cleveland compared to what it was in the movie. He doesn't have to play with somebody named David Putney. Like, it's all, all good. All good. But like, no, I mean, for in seriousness, like from his press conference, the thing that, I took away from him was that he just seems like not rattled by much. Like obviously when we had talked about him before, like he's dealt with trades before in his career, we didn't think he would be viewing this as they're sending me to Cleveland to die to like quote the, the infamous Odell quote. Um, And even like today when we asked him about the weather and if he's nervous about playing in the snow, he's like, it's football, you play it outside. Like, I just don't think much rattles this guy. And uh, I, I just think that's part of what makes him so intriguing for them to have. You know, I, I really liked his personality. I really, um, I really enjoyed that interview with him today because uh, he does have a, a little bit of a, a quiet confidence about him in the way that Nick Chubb does. And he's got a little bit of a sense of humor. You know, he giggles a little bit and, and that's good. He seemed kind of down to earth. Uh, he genuinely seems happy to be here. I'm su- sure he was much happier to be here six days after he got traded here when he <laughs> found out and he was in Dubai that Deshaun Watson was on his way here. Uh, I'm sure that changed everything about this move for him. Um, I mean, he's played with some good quarterbacks. He's going from, you know, Derek Carr, Dak Prescott, now Deshaun Watson. So he's, he's had it pretty good in that regard. But one of the things that really did stand out to me about what he said was uh, just how willing he is and how he's really eager to help impart his wisdom and his knowledge onto the young guys in that room. And he, he looked up and he realized, oh, geez, I'm I'm the you know old guy in the room now. He's, you know, 27 years old. He started in this league when he was 20. He seems like I had to look twice today. I was like, he's only 27, too. I mean, like he feels to me like he's been around forever and uh, and he's only 27. So for him to, you know, just be so excited to show these guys what, um, you know, what he knows, I think it's going to be so good for Donovan Peoples-Jones and Anthony Schwartz, because I've been watching, um, you know, some Amari film and clips and highlights, and 
you know, he doesn't call himself the route runner for nothing. I mean, my goodness, if you go onto his Instagram and you go on his Twitter, his bio title is the route runner. And, you know, you have to be in all caps, by the way. I mean, you have to be pretty confident in that ability to call yourself the route runner. And he, he deserves to be called that. He really does. I, I don't know. I mean, I can't think of very many people that run routes the way that he does. I mean, he is absolutely one of the best I've ever seen in my entire career. And it's a joy to watch. I mean, it really is. I mean, he is going to, you know, I asked him about the fact that, you know, Denzel and Greg and John Johnson will help make him better. But guess what? He is going to make them better. He's going to make them so much better because these guys, and you know, Jarvis is a good route runner. Jarvis is a really good route runner, but he, he's not the route runner. <laughs> and, and Amari Cooper, uh, he, he's going to teach those defensive backs. And some of them are still really young. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Grant Delpit just got done basically with his rookie season. So these young defensive backs are going to get schooled throughout the offseason and throughout training camp by probably the best route runner in the NFL. Well, the other the other thing that Jarvis does not have is four four two speed. Right. And that's that's really what what kind of differentiates him. You know, I feel like if you were to go in a lab, if you were to tell Andrew Barry to go in a lab and create just a bunch of Browns players, give them some test tubes and whatever, just go create a bunch of Browns players, they would all like it would be Nick Chubb, it would be Amari Cooper, it would be Denzel Ward, it would be just just kind of these quiet, like business-like, show up and, and do work type of guys. And obviously there's room for players like John Johnson and Miles Garrett and Jarvis Landry Odo, but there's room for players with those personalities. Kevin has even mm-hmm. said that, but there's certainly a type when when this team wants to go get people and Amari Cooper just fits that type. And like you said, Mary Kay, only 27. This is why the Browns draft young. Mm -hmm. This is why teams draft guys when they're 20 years old and and why that's valued in the NFL, because this guy was picked in 2015 and he's, I mean, he's still right in the heart of his prime. You know, he's been in the league now. What this is his eighth year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's his eighth year. That's why, that's why age matters in the draft. Yeah, it really does. And, the, and these Alabama guys are just different. They've been pros since they st- as soon as they go step into that program, they're pros. Well, I mean, think about it. I mean, to be coached by Nick Saban, I mean, you're not messing around when you've gotten coached by Nick Saban. You know, you know, you know the meaning of, of hard work. You know what it takes to win. You know what it means to be unselfish. So you're right. They are different. The SEC is different. Um, but they do. You're right. You're so right about the fact that they have a type. And somebody was asking me at one point, it might have, we might have even discussed this on one of the Hayes where, you know, why still so much drama? They're still working off of some of the dysfunction from previous regimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, they, you know, Baker Mayfield, previous regime. Right. Um, so some of that stuff is, you know, just leftovers. But the guys that they're bringing onto this team, you can see that there's a pattern. There's a pattern in the Greg Newsom's and the JOKs and the Amari Coopers and the guys like that, that, that they're bringing onto the team. I don't know what Jakeem Grant is all about yet, but 
I'm guessing we're going to find that it's more of the same. Yeah, I, I think there's a there's just a certain mentality they want, and there's room for personality, but if it's a guy like Chubb or Amari or Denzel Ward too, I think they're perfectly fine with that as well. Just show up and do your work and and kind of lead by example. Right. So, all right. Is that everything? All of our takeaways? Okay. Just wanted to make sure that Ashley didn't have some other surprise takeaway from us. No, no. There was no other movie references made today (laughs) that need to be addressed and lead to a further conversation. I do want to add that Jacoby Brissett was like, you kind of saw, like, I can see why he's able to, you know, have Andrew Luck retire after the third preseason game and just take over and be the starter for a season. Like I, I, you can just see it. You can see that he's a, he's a pro and he's a grown up. And um, I, I thought what he said about kind of what he learned from Tom Brady was interesting, just like mm-hmm. what it takes to be, what it means to be a quarterback of a franchise. I, I thought that was, I thought that was interesting when I read that back. Yeah, that, that was good. And when he spoke and we got to know him a little bit, I thought he's going to be good for Deshaun. He, he's going to be really good in that quarterback room. He's got the right demeanor. Uh, he's, he's got enough experience to serve as sort of a mentor. He even called him a kid joking, you know, kind of like, Oh, you know, the kid, whatever he's three years older than him, but he's played, you know, he's played a lot of football. He's got a lot of starts under his belt. And so he does have something to offer uh, Deshaun Watson. He's played with some really good quarterbacks and he has seen things done a certain type of way. So I think the chemistry in the room is going to be really good. And it'll be really interesting if Baker's in there too. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, oh. just, I'll just say it. We joked about this in the media room today. I told Ashley, if Baker has the guts to show up for the voluntary portion of the program, I promise to do a 40-minute podcast solo about why Baker should be the starting quarterback this year. Flip that audio right now and save it <laughs> so that you can play it as the intro to that podcast. We're going to hold you to it, Dan. <laughs> if he shows up on like May 14th to an open OTA practice, I don't even know what days are open, but if he sh- or the golf outing, what if he just shows up to the golf outing? Oh yeah. There's so many, there's so many ways this could go. All you know right. what? I just hope that, you know, if he ends up in Carolina, that he is nice to our old friend, Ellis Williams. Yes. And that he gives Ellis all the good stuff, all the inside scoops. I agree. And guess where the Browns play this year? Carolina. So there you go. There you have it. A lot of good stuff happens if he goes to Carolina. All right. That'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. If you aren't a football insider subscriber, you missed a bunch of texts today. You missed the daily newsletter. Uh, you're missing access to stories on cleveland.com slash brown. So click the blue banner there to get signed up, get info. Uh, and also make sure you're subscribed to this podcast wherever you listen. The draft is next week. Like when people are listening to this, it is a, a week from draft day. Our second reference that not the movie, a week to actual draft day. Um, so you've got to be a football insider subscriber before then. For uh, Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.